Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving, inst- giving instructions for right living so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. And so with that, it's clear, right? The Bible says, yes, you can. But if we left it there and we said, well, yes, because the Bible says yes, that would be a little bit of a disservice to you. So we're going to dive in. But before we do, would you guys bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord, we, we thank you that you are a God who is so confident in himself that you want us to question. That you are not a because I said so, God. You are a go ahead and wrestle. So much so that you even wrestle with one of your followers, Lord. With Israel. So we just ask that in this time you may open our hearts and also our minds so that we may learn and come to answer those questions. And as always, Lord, I pray that this may not be a Reuben message, but this may be a Jesus message and, and that I may decrease and that you may increase and I may just be a vessel to pour out your spirit on your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. One more for good measure, amen. So really, uh, when we're asking, can we trust the Bible? I mean, can we rely, I gave it away. When we, can we rely on the Bible? We're, we're, essentially, we're saying, can we trust the Bible? And, and trust is, trust is key. I know because I'm in a relationship now. And I, where's the married people at? Is trust key? Is trust key? Trust is, that's what I'm learning. What I'm also, so, so I'm, I'm putting her on the spot today, but I warned her. Uh, I'm in a relationship with the lovely, the amazing Trisha Page. I think, I think, I think they love you too. <laughs> so, but, but a little bit, if you don't know Trisha too well, Trisha and her family, her mother is here too. And if we made noise for Trisha, we gotta make noise for her mother. Her mother adopted her, which is like huge because birth is birth, but like adopt, that means she picked Trisha. So, <laughs> um, and I know their story. Uh, um, but her mother, her sister Jordan, Trisha, and her family, the, the, uh, the, a good chunk of her family, they are missionaries from, from Florida, Florida. <laughs> we got Florida fans. And uh, I, I love, I love their family, what they do, because they are missionaries who, a couple years ago, they said they sold their home. They packed up about seven people, I think more, in an RV with maybe like four beds. So, <laughs> um, and and for the rest of that time, since then, they have been traveling. I think in one year they traveled to 25 states, helping different ministries. Just yeah, 
Yeah, go ahead. To make the glory of God known. But I'm not here to talk about that. They have a documentary, Building a Difference. You can go find their stuff. I'm here to talk about Trisha. See, because Trisha, one of the first things she told God when she said yes to this call was, Lord, please, I will do anything. I will go anywhere, just not New York City. Where are we? <laughs> and so New York City has been a culture shock to her and her family. Uh, uh, one of the things that when I was getting to know Trisha, she told me, she was like, you know what I don't get? Why you guys say mad? Like for a lot. Like that doesn't, it drives me nuts. Like, oh, it's mad hot. It's mad. I'm mad hungry. Like what? Why are you? You know what you won't say though? You won't say I'm mad mad. No, no, no. You mad tight. What? Like, first of all, I, t I thought tight was like, yo, that outfit is tight. No, no, no. You, you mad tight. What? <laughs> Trisha didn't get it. And, just, and then she started saying it. And just, just the other day, she was like, I would like to stop saying that now. Please don't let me say it. Uh, but another thing uh, she's never experienced is, is parallel parking. She's, she, I think Ronnie had to teach her how to parallel park. She was like, what do you mean? You, we have parking lots and driveways. That's how you're supposed to do things in Florida. I don't, and then you don't have parking lots. You have parking garages. So it's a parking lot you just got to pay for. What? She didn't, she, she's like, no, this, this doesn't make sense. But the biggest thing, so parallel parking, slang, whatever, the biggest thing, and she made me promise, she's like, Ruben, please don't ever allow me to become a commuter and take public transportation again. <laughs> Where are my commuters at? Where are my bus riders? Where are my train takers? And if you got a car now, but you, you used to have the train, uh, take the train, but the Lord has set you free. He has set you free. Can we make some noise? <laughs> And that's what I want to talk about today, see, because when Trisha was, there was a few times she couldn't take her car, and she, for like a couple weeks, her car was out of commission, so she was, you know, like she was trying to use the bus time app, but she would go across the street uh, and wait for the wrong bus, and she'd be like, it said two minutes, but now it says 30 minutes, why? <laughs> and, then, and then she texted me 10 minutes later, I'm in an Uber. <laughs> But I would give her advice. And one of the things I told her, poor Trisha was relying on me for advice. And I told her, um, hey, just so you know, you don't pay for every bus ride. You pay for every other bus ride. So the first ride, uh, you get a transfer. That's, that's one of these guys, right? Um, the, way, the way I should have said it, well, what I said was, every other bus ride is free. So you pay for one bus. The other bus, you're good. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, you have a transfer. What I, what I should have explained and commuters, do, do people who've never taken a train or a bus some justice, think about what you are so used to and break it down. What I should have said was, when you pay for the first bus with your Metro card, the transfer goes on to that Metro card. And if you pay for it with change, you get a bus transfer that when you get on the next bus, goes into the bus. So fast forward, I'm on the bus with Trisha, and she's like, oh, snap, my MetroCard ran out of money. Like, how am I going to get back home? I'm like, no, 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 you, it, the, it'll, you'll be fine. You have a, 
a transfer, and before I even finish the sentence, the room goes cold, the, the whole bus is freezing now, uh, and I know why, because I'm looking at her face, and she's like, no, there is no transfer, because I, tr I tried to do it last time, and the bus driver didn't know what I was talking about, and she goes, and I trusted you. So I'm like, no, 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 she must have like bent the metric card. There must have been an error. I'm like, what happened? Tell me the story. And she goes, so I took the bus. I paid for the first bus. Three minutes later, so not even, not even two hours, three minutes later, so my, my transfer, you know, like I have time. Three minutes later, I get on the next bus, and I'm waiting for, for her to now say, like, I put my metro card in the thing, the slot, and then it didn't work. That's, that's what I'm expecting to hear. But what Trisha says is, and I think if you know Trisha, you know how true, like she says with all confidence, she goes, I get onto the next bus. I look at the bus driver. And already I'm like, you never look at the bus driver. Why would you? You don't make eye contact with the bus driver. Um, and she goes, she goes, I look at the bus driver and I say, this is a transfer. And she's like, and he looks at me like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, and Trisha, like she believes me. Like there is no, like she will, she will defend me to the death. So she's like, I look at him and I go, this is a transfer. I'm transferring. I paid for the other bus, so I get to transfer to this bus. As if the bus driver, the MTA bus driver, is the one who, who, who's, who doesn't know. Like, this is a transfer. And if he would have pushed back, she would have been like, no, 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 my boyfriend is a bus rider, he's a commuter, he says I can transfer. But he didn't, thankfully. And he, just, he was just like, all right, whatever, just get on the bus, just get on. He was actually like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about, just get on the bus. And she did. And then, and then sure enough, I'm like, no, no, no. I explained to her the situation. But when we do get back on the bus, she's like, all right, if it's true, then you take my transfer and I want your unlimited Metro card. And I did, and then I proved it. But I tell this story not, not just because it's hilarious, but because trust. When, when we're saying, can we rely on the Bible, we're, we're really asking, can we trust the Bible? And you know, what's interesting is, in the same way that misinformation led to an experience that caused Trisha to doubt me and distrust me, I, I know, I believe that many of us, we grow up and we live this life with misinformation that leads to experiences that cause us to not trust the Bible. I actually, and I came up with this today, that's why it's not in my notes, I actually want to... I want to show you guys some evidence of misconceptions that aren't biblical. You ready? <clears throat> if you believe we use 100% of our brain, raise your hand. 100% of our brain, raise your hand. Wow, I thought everybody, okay. If you believe we only use 10% of our brain, raise your hand. 10%. There's only two options, so you got to pick one. All right, all right. I'm going to do it one more time. 100%? What's the 100% crew? Nobody, okay, this is better than I thought. 
10% of our brain, where it at? Okay, so all of you are wrong. It is, huh? Yeah, yeah, two options. So 100% of our brain, nobody raised their hand for 100% of our brain. Oh, we got one, Zab. And then temp the majority of us said 10%. That's actually a common misconception that I used to believe as well. We don't know where that came from, but somehow, some way, I mean, there's a whole movie, Limitless, based on, oh, if you could use 100% of our brain. But the fact of the matter is, our brain is, even when we are sleeping, it is active and going, and 100% of our brain is in use. It may be true that we, can, we have autonomy and full control of 10% of our brain, but it is not true what the misconception is, is that we use only 10% of our brain. Another misconception, we'll do this. Uh, if you believe, this is going to only be one option. If you believe that we have five senses, raise your hand. Nobody wants to raise their hand now, I see. Y'all are like, no, I don't trust you no more. Y'all like Trisha. <laughs> well, good. You're, you're right to be skeptical because it is still taught, it is still brought um, the fact that we have five senses, but scientists have got it down to, and they still disagree, it's about 14 to 20 senses. And I'll show you a sense that you don't know that you have because you didn't even know it was a sense. Everybody close their eyes, right? So if your eyes are closed, now while your eyes are closed, touch your nose. So the sense is touch, right, right? But there's also a sense in, you can open your eyes now. Um, the ability to know where your body parts are in darkness with your eyes closed, you can know that your knee is here. You don't have to look at your knee to know how to go to your knee. That is called proprioception. And so I'm going to read it. It's our ability to innately tell where our appendages, muscles, and other body parts are in space. I don't have good proprioception. That's why I elbow people and, and knock into things all the time. I don't know where my body parts are. I'm like, oh, there's my elbow. Um, but in the same way that these misconceptions exist throughout our culture, there are so many misconceptions about the Bible, and we're going to talk about them today. And so what I want you to know, and, and it's interesting because I think we believe as Christians, sometimes we feel like we're on the defensive, and we need to prove that things are true, when in reality, they just are true. And so one of the things I want you guys to know that is true, and how do we know that we can rely on the Bible? And so when we ask that question, we can say confidently, yes, because the Bible is authentic. And so here, here the Bible is authentic, right? And, and that, that comes because a common misconception, which leads to a common criticism, is that the Bible is made up. It is a man-made book designed for a man-made religion. And therefore, the Bible is inauthentic. So the criticism we're looking at is, it, it, the Bible is just a book that's a part of another man-made religion. Which is, it's understandable because religions throughout history have been used to control people. I mean, even the Bible itself has been used to justify slavery, has been used to justify segregation. It's been used for these things. So it's understandable, just in the same way, like it was understandable for Trisha to look at me and go, no, transfers don't exist because of her experience. And so it's understandable, but just because, and so just like both those situations are understandable, they are also both incorrect. And so how do we know this? Well, 
Well, first, let's look at the, the, uh, the case for if the Bible is unauthentic. So if the Bible is inauthentic, it should meet uh, two criteria, right? So we should be able to look into the Bible, and if the Bible is, is inauthentic, we should see that A, do we have that? Yeah, every detail of the Bible would line up perfectly. Like if I'm coming up with a religion, I want to make sure like all our stories are straight. So if I'm writing uh, a Mark, and I say John, uh, Jesus ate an apple, Matthew better say Jesus ate an apple. Like you, we want our stories lined up because we want little room for followers to doubt, um, doubt the religion. So any discrepancies have to be rectified. There's no room for even a misspelling or a grammatical error. Does that make sense? If you're making up a religion, you don't want people to question you, so the details have to be perfect, right? Is that, this is, this is, this is supposed to be a teachy, so feedback, throw it in, give me a yeah. <laughs> All right, so B, B, so A, every detail would line up perfectly, but also any embarrassing details, uh, be it key figures or events, you're going to want to cover those up. Like it just... You, you want the heroes of your text to be above reproach. You, you want them to be examples to your community. You want to be able to say, hey, Noah, Noah was loved by God, and he was chosen to do the ark, and so God spared him. So you want to be like Noah. You don't want to be the people caught in the flood. You want to be able to say that. But the thing is, we're actually, we're, we're going to transition. But, but So before I transition... I just got caught up with the, <laughs> so, so I, before I move on, I want to make sure that's clear. So A, if we're making up a religion, if the Bible is inauthentic, every detail of the Bible should line up perfectly, right? Like, you know that, like, too close, you ever have two people tell you the same story and word for word, and all of a sudden you're like, mm -mm, I want video evidence now, because it's just, it's just too, too lined up. Right? And then B, any embarrassing detail about key figures should be covered up. Does that make sense? Are we all there? Yeah? yeah? Awesome, awesome. So now we're going to transition. So I mentioned Noah. And so I'm going to come back to him. I want you to remember that. So what, when we look into the Bible, what we find is what the Bible actually contains is various, yet, uh, various numerous, yet minor discrepancies. So stuff like misspellings, punctuation excuse me, different versions of the same story. And so, Matt, the, so examples of this are the Gospels. They, they don't all tell the exact story of Jesus line for line. The truths remain the same. You won't ever find the Gospel that goes, oh, no, no, Jesus isn't the Messiah now, because the, the core truth is the same, but the details, rightfully so. It only makes sense that if humans are telling the story, whether even though it is inspired by God, human error exists. And so my mom, for example, might say, oh, Reuben went to a birthday last Saturday and he ate cake. And Pastor Roe might go, oh, Reuben ate to a birthday party, went to a birthday party last uh, Saturday and he drank milk. And he doesn't say the cake part. The core truth is Reuben went to a birthday party on Saturday. That's the core truth. Whether he ate cake, whether he ate milk, we know that he was at a birthday party. <clears throat> And, and so we find those kinds of things. Uh, Chronicles and Samuel, they talk about David's siblings. Chronicles says it's about seven siblings that David had. Samuel gives a different number. I believe it's six. And so the authors had different styles of writing. We find that, so, so we, what we find is that these differences are actually evidence that it's not a conspiracy. Because like we said, if it's inauthentic, 
then what you find is this prim and proper, perfect scripture. But what you actually find is a scripture that is riddled with misspellings, uh, grammatical errors. The, these things exist in the original manuscripts of the scriptures. And that's, that's one part of how we know that the Bible is authentic. There's no one author making sure, oh, oh look, it says that Jesus ate an apple. And in Mark, it says Jesus ate an orange. So you got to change that. No, it, it, it's, it's left in there. And the second thing is when we, so we see that these, these, these minor errors do exist, but also there are entire books filled with details that embarrass the key heroic figures of the Bible and details that would be embarrassing to a religion. And so when we said if the Bible was authentic, we would find these details cut out. So you would see something like it doesn't say that uh, uh, David had an affair with a woman, and then historical evidence proves we find out, oh, no, David did. Uh, what we actually find is that the Bible leaves these key details in there. It's, there, there are entire books. Here, here's some things that I would exclude. I mentioned David. I was talking about Noah earlier. Noah builds this ark, but just after the flood, we find Noah drunk and naked in the Bible. And he's a hero of our faith. Abraham. Like, Abraham is the father, like, he is the hero of the Old Testament. He is the father of the faith. But Abraham doubts God so much that, that God's promises that he's going to give Abraham and his wife a child. And Abraham's response to him is, I'm too old and she's barren. And so he doubts God so much that he ends up sleeping with another woman and she has a child. And there's issues that come from there. But if Abraham's supposed to be your hero, and I'm supposed to be like, hey, hey, Sheila, look, look at how Abraham was. He, he doesn't, he, he's not perfect. And if I'm designing a religion, I only want perfect examples, perfect figures. Uh, I mentioned David. And so David sleeps with another man's wife. Then he tries to get that man to sleep with her to, to, so that he can think uh, that uh, the kid is his because she gets pregnant. But because actually the man is so loyal, he's, he's like, no, I'm out here being a soldier. Like, I, no, uh, I'm not going to go home and just be with my wife. I'm not going to take a day off. Hashtag no sleep. Um, or no something. Anyway, uh, so David has him killed. What's crazy is the child of the woman goes on to have other children. And from that lineage, our Messiah, like if you're, who's the central figure? Jesus. Jesus comes out of the lineage. And the Bible doesn't not only not hide those things, it, it proves to you, it tells you Jesus' lineage to show you that he is a son of David. That's actually what they call him sometimes in the Bible, son of David. And so you don't, you, it doesn't make sense to a religion to keep those things in there, though. I, I mean, going further with Jesus in, in Matthew 26, 39, I mean, this is our Savior. This is a hero. And keep in mind, if we're trying to drum up a religion, you, you wouldn't read Matthew 26, 39. At least me. If, I'm, if Reuben's trying to invent a religion, Reubenism, whatever, like, Jesus doesn't say this. So in Matthew 26, 39, it says, Jesus went a little farther, threw himself face downward on the ground, and prayed, my father, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He's referring to him having to die on the cross. And Jesus, the person who dies for us, 
has what we would say is a weak moment. And if we're believers, we, we understand why and we, we, and really because what I'm going to get to, it's more important that this is here. It's truthful. But if you're trying to create a religion, you don't want this there. If we're comparing him to other gods, I mean, Zeus, Zeus doesn't have this moment. If we're, if we're trying to, right, compete with other religions, this moment, you should erase this moment. And you'll find many times, you won't ever find, oh, yo, we found out they left that out the Bible. You'll read the Bible and be like, they left that in there? Like, why? like that wasn't even important to the story. Why did you have to tell me that Lot's sister, uh, daughters got him drunk? And like, like, I don't know if there's kids here, so I can't tell the full details. But read Genesis. Quick rabbit trail, Pastor Rowe was listening to the audio, for, I think it was actually that specific section, he was listening to the Bible on audio with his kids, and he's trying to be like a good spiritual father, you know, he's like, guys, we're going to listen to the Bible in the car, oh yeah, there is a kid, Bishop's in the back, I just made eye contact, that would have been awkward, uh, but he's in the car, and a part comes up, and he's like, oh, we can't read, we, mm -mm, we got to press this on pause, you guys are young, we're going to talk about this later, and when you're ready, but, but the point is that there are details that are so embarrassing. And if you're trying to design a religion, uh, you don't want these things. But the fact of the matter is, ooh, I'm about to preach. <laughs> the Bible is not a mere religion. It is the true account of God and his people and our journey together and our redemption through Jesus. And because that is the purpose, the Bible says no. God's word says no. This is our story. So every single detail, no matter how bitter, no matter how ugly, no matter how graphic, the Bible would be rated TVMA, just so you know. Uh, we're going to leave it in there. And, and we always say, uh, this is not a religion. This is all about relationship. And so jumping back to Jesus, I mean, who can't relate to Jesus saying, Lord, I know I have to do this. Father, I know this is my purpose. But if there is some way for this cup of suffering to pass from me, come on. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Who can't relate to that moment? And so when it's about a relationship, the truth is what allows us to relate to God. And when you know that you're praying to a Jesus who the sole purpose for him entering this earth, even he had his moment. You know that you're praying to a God that won't shame you. So praying to a God that won't judge you. You know you're praying to a God that loves you. And what's so amazing about the Bible's commitment to the truth is the truth is even in the Bible, the Bible claims it, it is so, you know that the Bible is so committed to the truth because what the Bible says is the truth will set you free. When we know the truth, it sets us free. And what's so paramount about this, the Bible's commitment to honesty is that our regular day, everyday history doesn't even have this commitment. What we teach in mainstream history, you will not find out in schools that Christopher Columbus was a, uh, um, a murderer. You won't find out that he was a slave owner. They, they, they won't tell you, um, they'll, they'll, they'll sing this land is our land, this land is my land, but they won't tell you how we got this land. Mainstream history does its best to cover up the icons and heroes of true events, true society, what we consider to be true, what we say is true, what we teach in schools. Uh, from JFK to MLK, they were all flawed. And as believers, we know our, our, our historical heroes 
of the Bible, we're flawed too, and we're able to look at the human condition and not judge a person and be okay of their flaws, but our current society doesn't do this, and so you won't find out that JFK had numerous affairs. You, you won't find out that Martin Luther King, despite everything that he did, and it doesn't take away an ounce from what he did for the civil rights movement, but they won't tell you in mainstream history that MLK had numerous affairs. This is all verifiable. You can look these details up. But you won't find those things in what is considered to be, oh, no, that's fact. You're, you're good. Martin Luther King was a hero. But we won't tell you that he was a flawed human either. But the Bible says, no, no, no. There's not a single person. There's not a single person who is without flaw, without, despite Jesus being sinless, despite the, the Jesus looks at his disciples. You guys can clap for God. Don't clap for me. Clap for the Bible's honesty. You guys can, yes. Even Jesus looks at his disciples. He goes, are you guys going to leave me too? And many scholars, we say, hey, this, oh, this was Jesus testing them. I think this was Jesus seeing a whole crowd of people just disappear after he fed them. This comes after the five loaves uh, and two fish story. Uh, just abandoning him and him looking at his disciples. We, we believe that Jesus was fully God but also fully human. We, we, he looks at his disciples. He goes, are you guys going to leave me too? I see this as an emotional moment, not Peter passing some test. I see this as Jesus looking to his followers, his core group, and going, you guys too? So those weak moments, those embarrassing moments to a religion are all in the Bible, and that's because the Bible's not a book that's just a part of a religion. That's because the Bible is, is so much more than that. We call it God's word because it is God's word. It's his story between him and his people. And so what we know is we, we've looked at it, we've examined it, the Bible is authentic. Can we rely on the Bible? Yes, because the Bible is authentic. But, but what does an honest book have to do with a, a, a correct book, an accurate book? Like, this book was written 10,000 years ago, so how do we know? How do we know what's written in it? You know, it's an ancient book. It wasn't written in English. So how do we know that by the time the events were recorded, that these things were accurate? There's so many questions, right? And so what, what, what we want to put forth, what we want you to know is when, we say, when we're saying, can we rely on the Bible, we confidently say, yes, we can rely on the Bible. One, we've established this, that the Bible is authentic, but also, yes, because the Bible is accurate. And so, like I said, there's a tendency to want to feel like we have to prove this, but I, I'd rather switch that and, and have the criticisms have to prove them. And so the common criticism, the misconception is uh, the Bible was written so long ago that we can't trust what we have today, uh, and therefore the Bible is inaccurate. But we're going to do the same thing. So then if that is true, there has to be some criteria, right? And so... So if the Bible is inaccurate, A, we would have no evidence that the events described in it actually occurred, right? So only the Bible would talk about Jesus because it's made up. So if it's inaccurate or if it's wrong, uh, only the Bible is going to talk about it. Uh, uh, and B, the manuscripts that we use to translate from would be uh, wouldn't be reliable, and so they would be written way too long ago from the actual events, things like that. Does that make sense? We're good there? So if the Bible is inaccurate, we would have no evidence 
that the, event, evident, uh, the events, has, don't try to say evidence and events back to back. <laughs> we would have no <laughs> evidence that the events described in it actually occurred and that uh, manuscripts that we use are, are to translate from would be far too old to be reliable. And so now we can look at the Bible and we can say, well, what do we have? Well, what the Bible contains is A, all of the Gospels are based on, uh, especially Luke, eyewitness accounts of Jesus' ministry. People who were with Jesus, people who saw Jesus, people who weren't with Jesus but were just there at the time. The actual book of Luke, Luke wasn't there. Luke didn't know what was going on. He was conducting, it says in the beginning of Luke, I have conducted a formal investigation. Because that's how crazy this Jesus, like it was like, what? what? Like we need to know what's happening. And so Luke conducts this investigation based on eyewitness accounts. Uh, and then we also have historical facts in the Bible, but they are confirmed by non-Christian sources. So no bias, non-Christian historians, all scholars, fun fact, all scholars agree that Jesus existed. Uh, and, and what you'll also find is archaeology that, that confirms these historical facts, which is so, like archaeology, I mean, we're human. And humans, we are, if I see it, I believe it. If I don't see it, I don't. And so with archaeology, we can show it. And so there was this, for a long time, there was a huge criticism in the, on the book of Daniel because in the book of Daniel, the king of Babylon is, is said to be Balthazar. But historical archaeological evidence has said, uh-huh, uh-uh, we got you guys. Um, it was king Nebuchadnezzar. I, I still can't pronounce it. Um, I don't know why people in the Bible uh, in ancient times had such complicated names, but they did. Um, and so they said it's King Nebuchadnezzar. And so, ha-ha! Uh, and we, we always stuck. We said, no, there has to be an explanation. And sure enough, archaeology came and found a letter from King Nebuchadnezzar to King. First of all, I already like the Bible because they list the king with the more pronounceable name. Uh, but uh, a letter from King, him, to uh, King Balthazar. And it's written within the same time, all these things. And in that, the inscription says, to my co-regent, to my co-king. They were co-rulers of Babylon. What's so amazing about that is that archaeology not only now it provides evidence, like, ha-ha, there was a King Balthazar. It is accurate. But also it provides clarity because in that scripture, King Balthazar says to Daniel, you will be the third ruler of Babylon. Which, if you're reading that, you're like, that doesn't make sense. And we're used to monarchs, one king, so it doesn't make sense. But now archaeology says there were already two kings at the same time. So Bethlehazar was saying, you're going to be the third ruler with us. So now there's clarity that archaeology is now providing to scripture more than evidence. And so when we look at the Bible, we see, we see A, that eyewitness accounts of Jesus' ministry, historical facts, um, historical facts confirmed by archaeology and non-Christian sources. We also know that the details in the Gospels about Christ are all discoverable outside of the New Testament. And oh my gosh, I have to fight myself to not go down the, down the altar and just preach to you guys because I just love, I just love, I'm going to do it anyway. I just love the fact that the Gospel is not confined to the Bible. That the Gospel exists. Everything that we know about Jesus exists outside of the New Testament. Every single detail. Yeah, you guys could give God some praise that he's, he does not confine the good news just to one 
biblical text. It's available through non, non, uh, through, through non-biblical sources. Every detail is about the New Testament. So we as believers, we're not saying, oh, hey, you have to believe that the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. No, that's like when your parents say, do it because I said so. You guys ever grew up? You guys, some of you are parents. You guys, your kids ask you questions. You're like, because I said so. Shame. Every time, I was a curious kid and I just wanted to know stuff. Like, why can't I touch the stove? Because I said so. I just want to know why it burns when I touch it. I'm just curious. Uh, and also C, we, uh, B, it should be B, but it was A, eyewitness accounts of Jesus' ministry, historical facts are confirmed. B, details about Christ are all discoverable outside of the New Testament. And C, this is, this is, the, this is the penultimate one. Texts translated from manuscripts. The, the, the Bible contains texts translated from manuscripts that show up within 35 to 40 years of the time when they were written. So that's so important because 35 to 40 years leaves very little room for mythology to corrupt the message. You know that you have an integral text. The text is filled with integrity. But that's also important because we're not staying in the Bible for this. So we're not going by this. The Bible says the standard is 40 years, right? And so naturally we're saying, can we rely on the Bible? Uh, this, what's the standard for other historical events, mainstream history? How, how do we, when we're translating those manuscripts, how old can they be before we say, oh, no? So what you'll find is many Greek uh, and Roman his, histories that were, uh, were created hundreds and years after the original. And when I say hundreds, I'm talking 500 to 700 years after the event. So the event happens, Reuben goes to the store, 500 years later, someone says Reuben goes to the store, and thousands of years later, we teach Reuben went to the store. And so that's the standard, 500 to 700 years. What's so great is, we're asking, is the Bible reliable? And one of the tests is, it, it, it would, it would, the, the, that time frame would exist outside of the standard, but we don't sit, uh, stand up here and say, we as believers don't say, oh, oh, you know, the manuscripts are only 705 years. So it's only five years off from the standard. We also aren't saying that, oh, they're 500 years, which is like the best. That's the standard. It's, it's 500 years. No, no, no. We have manuscripts that supersede the standard. What we say needs to be uh, 500 to 700 years before it can be considered uh, a, a, a truthful, integral, accurate document. The Bible goes, uh-huh, uh, 40 years supersedes the standards. 40 years is like a dream to a historian because you know you're dealing with a pure text, uh, uh, an accurate text. So how, how many of us know Alexander the Great? Yeah, you can raise your hands, you can shout. If you know Alexander the Great, give me a ooh-ooh. That's so awesome. So Alexander the Great, he's taught about in schools when we do ancient history. Uh, any real historian will start, start the conversation with, we don't know a lot because so much of it is myth. Because the manuscripts that were written about Alexander's life uh, were so far, I'll actually give you the number. Uh, so 967 years after Alexander the Great's death, 
the first manuscripts about his life come into existence. What's crazy is, and I didn't know this till I looked this up. I looked this up just because I thought it would be great to bring it, but I'm thinking I was gonna, it was going to be 700 years. But it turns out that Alexander the Great doesn't meet the standard. Most of what we're, we teach, most of in common history, the standard is 500 to 700 years, and we say that that's acceptable. Alexander the Great, his manuscripts are written 967 years after he is dead. And mind you, the Bible has manuscripts 35 to 40 years after the fact. And that includes Jesus. So when we're saying the Bible is accurate, absolutely. We're not in a position of proof because we just have the evidence. It's there. Our, our, our Bible is authentic. You know there's no hidden agendas. Our Bible is accurate. We can look at the Bible and say, hey, uh, uh, there's, there's eyewitness accounts. There's archaeological evidence. And our manuscripts are some of the most, are, are the most, they have the most integrity than any other manuscript. And I want to I summarize these two points uh, before we go on. So when we're saying, can we rely on the Bible? I want to give you in one sentences. I, where's my Apple? Pastor Rose talking about Apple. Where's my Apple people? IOS, in one sentence. So yes, uh, because the Bible is authentic, right? And so we know the Bible is authentic because there are various scriptures which evidence the honest and unconcealing nature of the Bible. So i.e. the Gospels, Samuels, and Chronicles. And yes, because the Bible is accurate. And so everything that we covered in summary, in one sentence, IOS, we know the Bible is accurate because accurate, that's my, that's my Park Hill coming out. <clears throat> we know the Bible is accurate because there were numerous eyewitness accounts of the events it describes. It is supported by non-Christian sources and manuscripts which are used to translate from are more reliable than any other manuscripts relied upon for other historical events. So can we rely on the Bible? That was for you guys. Yes. But, and I think, I think really for many of us, uh, when we're asking that question, we're not so much asking it, is it authentic? I think we accept the truth of the Bible. And I think we, we, we get that the Bible is accurate. In the age of Google, I'm sure so many of us have done our, our you know, there's a place called gotquestions.org, full of questions that you might have for scripture. Um, I, I, think, I think for believers, the, and it's not a question, I, I think, it's not a criticism, I mean, I think what we mean is, how do I know that this is for me. And I have it in one point, simply as this. Can we rely on the Bible? Yes, because the Bible is applicable. You can apply the Bible to your life. I'm so excited because we've seen that the scriptures are truthful and accurate, and so I get to use the scriptures, which as a preacher, that's all you ever want to do. Uh, I wish there was a book like the book of debate and it just answered every single criticism that people would have that we could just reference and we could reference the scripture. Uh, but the Bible is applicable. And so we read our opening verse today 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living. So that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. And I think that just, that is the text that answers that question. The Bible declares like it is all useful, not some, not most, not kind of, all is useful. But, but in Hebrews, I love Hebrews. Hebrews says, for the word of God, when we're saying the Bible is applicable, for the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of our heart. I love, I love that the Bible is, is active. It's alive. It's living, it's breathing, it is inspired by God. You know, that, that's why you could read the Bible 10 times, 15 times, 20 times. You could read the same verse 30 times, 50 times, 70 times. You could read that same verse 100 times. But for some reason, on the 101st time, you see this scripture in a whole new way. For some reason, on the 101st time, you see this scripture in a way that you've never seen it before. And it just so happens how coincidentally, what a coinciding, that, that that new way that you're seeing it just so happens to do with your current situation. Has there, has there been anybody who's been there? Who has, have you had any, wait, 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 I've read this before. I've read this before. But how is it that I'm reading it now and it has to do with my struggle? How is it that I'm reading it now and it has to do with my doubt? How is it that I'm reading it to it now and it has to do with my life? That's because the Bible is alive and it is active. You can go to it for any situation. Hey, hey, you deal with doubt? Cool. So did Abraham, Moses, Gideon, and Jesus. Hey, you angry at God? Good. So were Habakkuk and Job. Habakkuk and Job are entire books. Habakkuk is an entire book of Habakkuk going, nah, you crazy. <laughs> to God. He's like, at first he's complaining to God. He's like, God, what are you doing? And God gives him an answer. He goes, oh, well, here, here's what I'm doing. And Habakkuk's like, no, why are you going to do that? Like, that's the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is angry at God. And, and, and it ends, it ends with, 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 and that's why I love that God is so him and so confident in himself. And he, he gives Habakkuk his answer. And Habakkuk is able to come to peace. But you know, the book of Habakkuk starts out as, as a man angry. So you angry at God? Go to God, but also go to Habakkuk. Hey, hey, you, you, you struggle with temptation? Well, so did David, and so did Solomon. We talked about how David killed a, a, a man uh, just because of his adultery. Uh, Solomon was the wisest of kings, yet he had a lust problem. I mean, you want to learn about how to be wise with money? Read Proverbs. Hey, hey, you, you want to learn about a healthy marriage? Read Song of Songs. Maybe all of that is too much. I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible after all. And maybe you don't want to flip back and forth. And maybe you got so much going on. You're saying, hey, I just want one book that'll answer all my questions, that'll have something to cover about every topic and everything that I'm dealing with. So read the book of Psalms. 
The book of Psalms is, is written by numerous authors. The book of Psalms covers every inch and every detail of the human condition and what our soul go through, goes through. The book of Psalms covers our life. In the book of Psalms, you will find, find doubt, doubt, you will find anger, you will find love, you will find peace. Maybe you're happy and you just want a happy verse so that you can declare God's glory. Go to Psalms. The book of Psalms has every topic. And the entire Bible does too. It's alive and it's active, but it's also, we see it in Timothy, it gives instructions for right living. And how many of us, how so often, we're just trying to live right. We, we just, we just want to make a decent living. We just want to be, just, just put our best foot forward. I think so many times we get caught up in, oh, I just, I think I'm supposed to live a life without sin. Oh, I, I want to be a good person. If you ever ate the last bag of chips, you ever opened the refrigerator and see a meal with someone's name on it and then threw it out, you know we ain't good. The Bible is so much more, this, this life is so much more than, than living sinless and not sinning. It, it, it is about living right, which is so much deeper than did you do right or wrong today? Did you do good or bad today? If you, if you, if you have managed to avoid all sins, but you have not fulfilled your purpose, where are you? If you have managed to, to avoid all sins, but you've been struggling with depression and you just, you just don't like things. You just don't like your life. Where are you? The Bible is so much more. It is useful for instructions, for right giving, living, also right giving. Um, And the book of Psalms, speaking of, when we're saying can we rely on the Bible, man, the psalmist says your word, in Psalms 119, Verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. A light for my path. The Bible is lighting us. The Bible is lighting our path. And what I want you guys to know, everything that we covered is great. But but what's so crucial is that the Bible, see, you know what that path is. The Bible lights the path that leads to Jesus. See, because it's great that the Bible's authentic, it's great that the Bible's accurate, and it's even great that the Bible's applicable, but you can apply the Bible's principles but still not have Jesus. See, the Pharisees had the scriptures. The Pharisees had the law, but this is what Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says, you study the scriptures because you think that in them you will find eternal life, and these very scriptures point to me. All of the Old Testament is like an arrow. It's a light pointing to the Gospels. And then you get out of the Gospels and you're in the book of Acts. And all of the rest of the New Testament is a light pointing you back to the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, you find Jesus. In the Gospels, you find out that Jesus came to do what none of us can do. And so when you get caught, I mean, we were just here last, uh, a couple weeks ago. Don't try to get the sin out. Get Jesus inside of you. And what the Bible does is it gets you to Jesus. It is a light for a path that gets us to Jesus. 
is the Bible applicable? Can we rely on the Bible? Well, we can rely on Jesus. Hebrews says that he is the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. And because the Bible gets us to Jesus, oh, you bet we can rely on the Bible so much more just because it is, oh, it is true. Yeah, it is, it is accurate. Yeah, those are great, but those help us accept what's in the Bible. And what's in the Bible is every ounce, every scripture. I feel like if you could, like, you know how you juice a fruit. If you could do that with the Bible, what you would find, oh, I'm getting too deep. What you would find is the blood of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Don't ever for a second forget, no matter what questions we ask, no matter where we go, it is about Jesus. Every step, everything we do, our roadie team with the pipe and drape, it's about Jesus. Dyron, I love you, Dyron. I'm giving you a shout out. Dyron took these, these moving heads. He found this, this light rig. He said, this thing is way better than whatever we're using. He found, and then he found these moving heads and he took them home and he didn't take them so he wasn't like oh man we're going to have a cool service no he knows that this gets us to Jesus and I could spend 15 minutes telling you 20 minutes telling you how moving heads which it may not seem like it connect us to Jesus but they do because everything about this experience allows us man we come in with so much and when we are able to come into an atmosphere that, that's pleasing to the eye, that allows us to feel comfortable. These lights are off for a reason, and that's so that you know you have privacy, so that you know you have intimacy. And so when tears start to fall from your, your, your eyes, and because Holy Spirit is ministering to you, because you're encountering Jesus, you don't have to worry about any, any, everybody looking. Every detail that we do is about Jesus. This worship team rehearses every week and before service but not so they can be good singers so that we can lead someone to Jesus and the Bible we rely on the Bible because it gets us to Jesus no matter where you are no matter what you're going through happy sad loving mad whatever You might find yourself in a place where you can't even pray. But you're like, if I could just get to Jesus. God, if I could just get to you. You could just pick up a Bible. Turn to a verse. Find yourself all of a sudden immersed in him. Problems gone. Issues dealt with. Life in his hands. And just God, whatever, you're in control. Because you read a verse that got you. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus is the word made flesh. Everything is encapsulated in Jesus. He is the author. He is the finisher. The perfecter of our faith. And we can surely rely on him and his word. Can we stand to our feet? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. 
Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.